Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys. This is our look at the upcoming Week 8 games across the NFL. In this episode, we're going to cover our regular weekly picks, get to our total tees. We've also got a new segment this week that we're debuting. It's called the Weekly Hot Pick with our good friend, the Doc. Oh, thank you, Doctor. No, I'm not a doctor. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy the Prognosticator, Attridge. Andy, how you doing, pal? I'm good, Matty. Happy Halloween. And a bah humbug to you. Yeah, um, for our listeners, uh, Maddie's not a big fan of Halloween. I'm a huge fan of Halloween. Seen ghosts, and I think you might notice the difference throughout the episode. But <laughs> nevertheless, we had a uh, we had a pretty good week last week. I was uh, seven five and one, and I think you were eight four and one. I could still pick winners, and I could still make money for all kinds of people back home. And why mess up a good thing? And that one is because the Cleveland kicker doesn't know how to do a PAT. Yeah, brutal. Um, and uh, we- I think his name is, uh, well, I'm a Chicago Bears fan, so that name is not going to exit my mouth. I don't know how much fucking Cody Parkey's getting fucking paid, but that little fucking cocksucker from South Florida can't make a goddamn fucking kick for his fucking life. And I, you know, I, I, I did cover my total prediction in the Steelers game, but barely. And that was for the score to go under 52, which I did by exactly one point. And that was thanks to a last-second miss field goal by Ryan Suckup, a name that you can say, Maddie. I got the uh, the Browns over under uh, as well. That's what that was my over for that week. Well, Browns, no, you, Bengals. You, know, you, you cleared that by a lot. Long, yeah, by a mile. Um, it was honestly, it was one of the more exciting weeks in football in recent memory. I mean, you saw a handful of seesaw tilts, uh, comeback wins. I mean, dude, it was, it was so crazy that I think my red zone channel had its own red zone channel. Football. Football. It was, uh, it was also a weekend of milestones and records. Here are a few of them. Cam Newton in a losing effort against my 49ers became the first quarterback to throw 30,000 yards and rush for 5,000 yards. Both Tom Brady and Drew Brees now have 588 touchdown passes. Drew Brees actually became the first player to eclipse 7,000 passing completions. Patrick Mahomes, with his first touchdown pass of the night, became the fastest player in the Super Bowl era to reach 90 touchdown passes, doing so in 37 games. The previous mark was held by... Hall of Famer Dan Marino. Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Who took 40 games. Sunday night featured the first game ever where both quarterbacks threw for over 300 yards and also rushed for 50 yards each plus. FYI, they combined for over 1,000 collective yards of offense. The 39-29 result in the Chargers-Jaguars game was the first time in NFL history that a game ended on that particular score. That's a bizarre one, eh? I well, think that that is that is kind of crazy that they're still doing that, right? And I just, you know, we're seeing so much scoring now than we have in years past that, you know, you when you get into the high 60s, yeah, you're going to find games that have never ended on those numbers. But yeah, to be sure, uh, a little little wonky. Uh the NFC least 
is living up to its pejorative nickname following the Washington football team's dismantling of the Dallas Cowboys. 25-3 to on Sunday afternoon, Week 7 will end without one NFC East team reaching three wins. And that marks the first time in NFL history that every team in a division earned fewer than three victories through Week 7, excluding the strike season. And lastly, got nothing to do with football, but Maddie, my God, he gave me some excellent info on the MMA fight, Khabib winning by submission. Winner, Ganyo. Yeah, and we got that done before the second round ended. Yeah. So what did that pay? What, plus 175? Uh, yeah, it was about that. Uh, I didn't pick the round. What's unfortunate is that's the last time we're going to be able to bet on it again. Yeah, if you're an MMA fan, it's tough to see that guy retire because he's a lot of fun to watch. He's the GOAT. Bravo. Respect. There's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River. Rolling into Cleveland to the lake. All right, the first game on the docket on Sunday afternoon is the Cleveland Browns at home playing the Las Vegas Raiders. Two and a half is what Cleveland is favored by as the home team. 53 and a half is your over-under. Now, uh, as anybody who watches football knows, Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. But, you know, Josh Jacobs on the other side of the ball when it comes to their offense, he's actually averaging the lowest yards per attempt at 3.4 in the NFL this season among running backs. So I would not have guessed that. No, I know. And I was looking at that going, interesting. It's been a lot more of Carr and uh, his receiving core than it has been. Now, I mean, Jacobs has busted off some good runs. It's not like he's without them. But it did blow me away that he has the lowest yards per attempt in the NFL among running backs. It's actually among running backs with 80-plus attempts as well. I should well, let me just it. address the Odell Beckham thing uh, yeah. first off. It's a non-factor. He's averaging less than 50 yards a game. And in fact, his highest one game total was 81 yards. And that was against the Cowboys. So he's not as big of a factor as his name might suggest. But you really have a little system you've got going with, uh, with totals and weather. Why don't you explain that for our listeners? Thanks, Maddie. It's actually one of my favorite. It's not one of my favorite. It is my favorite betting angle of all time. And it has to do with wind speed. And now, here's the reason why I think that over time, this strategy really gives you a legitimate edge over the books. Now, to be sure, college football is much preferable to NFL for several reasons. Obviously, you have many, many more games to choose from, and most of the stadiums are outdoors. And because of all the attention paid to NFL and their totals, it's a very efficient and sharper market than most college games. The weather can make totals move a little, but if you don't get an accurate weather report for either the NCAA until Thursday or usually Friday for the NFL, by the time the totals have already hit the board, been bet on for four days, <clears throat> excuse me, it's unlikely that they're going to be either A, factored into the line, or that the line has moved enough accordingly. It's just way too easy to say, however, that bad weather creates unders. 
Once wind speed hits 15 miles an hour, throwing the ball becomes much more difficult, forcing teams to use their clock-eating running game. But more so than that, it makes the kicking game far less effective. So they're more likely to punt or go for it on fourth downs. And if they do kick, the success rate drops significantly. Rain on snow, on the other hand, can actually create more turnovers and short fields, making the outcome more likely to go over a low total. My sweet spot for totals to go under is around 55 if the wind speed is more than 15 miles an hour. In a sample size of 781 college games where the wind was more than 13 miles an hour, the total went under 449 times versus 332 for the over. And that's a win percentage of over 57. Now, let's go to Ohio and let's talk about this game in Cleveland. It would suggest, based on those findings, that whoever runs the ball better has the advantage. Cleveland is third in the league in rushing yards per game at 157. The Raiders are 17th with 113 and a half. And they rank 15th in the league in rushing yards allowed. The Browns? They're number five. And if it weren't for the weather, I would be really trying to literally flip a coin to see who'd win this game. But because of the weather, it's a, it's a much easier choice for me to take the Browns at home minus two and a half. Yeah, game time temperature is 51 degrees Fahrenheit and rain. So you add that to the wind. The running game is going to become so much more important. And you're right, Cleveland runs the ball, and it's not just who's running the ball. It's the five guys they have at front blocking for the rusher. Um, oh, yeah. They have a great offensive line. And, hey, it's I always think it's best to take the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands sometimes. He just... Not a bad idea. Because if you can establish the run, Baker's going to feel a lot less pressure because they won't be able to blitz as much. And the so, defense has to respect the play action. Exactly. Because Baker Mayfield has a 17.2 passer rating when under pressure this season. What? Excuse me? A baking powder? 17.2 passer rating when under pressure this is that season. that metric or imperial? Yeah. That's horrible. No, you know what that is? That's horror awful. That's horrible and awful mixed together. Horror awful. I know. I had to look. And by the way, that's only the third lowest in the NFL. Jesus. I'm surprised it's not the lowest. Yeah. Well, 17.2. That's abysmal. Uh, but they've got a great running game and I agree with you minus two and a half this is I think Cleveland can uh, can hold up a field goal on their own at home and I I do like especially if we get that kind of weather I like the under what up though this is big Snoop Dogg Dogg Perry y'all better turn up this week man y'all got a new feeling new spirit let's go get it done Dogg Perry On to Vice City, where the Miami Dolphins are four-point underdogs against the visiting L.A. Rams. 46 is your over-under for the game. Now, rookie quarterbacks is kind of an interesting stat. They don't haven't done so well since 2014. Uh, they're 0-5 against the Rams. The last rookie quarterback to beat the Rams was Russell Wilson in Week 17 of 2012. Wilson! What are we going to do now? Wilson! Wilson! My name is Voight, dumbass. Let me talk about the game. This is the Rams' fourth trip in six weeks to the East Coast. 
and a short week as they played your Bears on Monday night. And my God, did your Bears look really bad? Um, yeah, dude, not, it was it was a big I'll, kick in the balls. I'll put a bookmark in that, okay? So we yeah, talk oh, about the Bears game. Well, oh, we Miami's will delve into off, that. Miami is coming off a bye week, and it wasn't just for Tua; it was for their defense and the rest of their offense and their special teams. Now the Rams have a pretty pretty good defense. Um, I'd say that they've allowed well, fewer they, than 25 points in six or seven games this year. That's tied for the most such games in the NFL. And they've not exactly played a plethora of mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Big Dick Neck last week, uh, Jimmy G the week before, Carson Wentz, Danny Dimes, with perhaps the only exceptions of being Dak and Josh Allen come close. I really like the three and the hook at home here for the Dolphins to really get to my point quickly. So you like Miami to cover three in the hook? I, you know, I'm not putting a mortgage payment on it, but yeah, put a gun to my head. I think it's a great opportunity for Tua, you know, show the league he's been waiting a long time to do this, man. I think this game is going to be an omen of how, th- like a harbinger of games to come because I'm disagreeing you with it on okay, this. Dude, I watch, I watch. Look at it from the Rams' perspective. Yeah. This is a non-conference road game it's yep. least on the packing order for them to win right come and on. they're come on man no they're in your division they're in the niners division the nfc west which is a fucking killer they can't afford to fall behind a game you got san fran arizona and seattle all in your fucking division are you and the cowboys are some idiot empty, team in the nfc McVay is gonna empty his playbook on on the fucking dolphins no, I think Sean McVay is going to do what he always does when his team has East Coast Road games and fucking put up a W. I, I'm going, right? So, no, I, oh, that's against the NFC East, right? They played every team in the NFC East, which makes their record look really good. It does, but you know what? I watched their defense in primetime last week and was pretty no, damn was impressed. Your offense sucked. No, it was, and, and Matt Nagy in particular, which we'll get yes, into Matt as Nagy, well. Which we will go into more detail. Oh, sorry. we will. Don't worry. I got plenty oh, of negative. Oh, yes, I got will. plenty of negative vibes to spread on shitty Halloween for that. But uh, I'm taking the fucking Rams with the points. Squish the fish. If you walk through the garden. All right, this is definitely the game of the 1 o'clock hour, and that is a divisional matchup here in the AFC North between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens are at home. They're four-point favorites, and the over-under is 46-and-a-half. This has big implications for the playoff picture in the AFC North. Right now, Pittsburgh looks like a a, a juggernaut against the spread. They're 5-and-1 against the spread this season. Baltimore only 3-and-3. But Hardbaugh is 10 and 2 in his career in the first game after a bye week. He's won four of those games straight. So it's hard to bet against that, isn't it? It is. And and trust me, this is the biggest AFC game of the year. This is the black and blue game. This the the winner of this game will contend then for that division uh win. And like trust me, if Baltimore doesn't win this game, they're looking at a wild card scenario. Right? You bet. And and how well has Pittsburgh been playing? I mean, they're six and zero for the first time since nineteen seventy eight, right? Yep. Um, but if you look at if you watch that that game against Tennessee, they owned the Titans for three quarters. Oh, loser, loser. 
and they sort of let them in the back door, not because they were being careless. They were just getting gassed on defense. And then Derrick Henry started pounding it down their, their throats in the last quarter. It wasn't quite enough to get the win for the Titans, but you know, you got Baltimore coming off a bye. They're well rested, and trust me, they needed a bye to get a lot of things right on offense because nothing was really clicking for the first few weeks, even though they have a winning record. And now linebacker Devin Bush is still on the IR. He's out, he's out for a while, and that's a guy they would normally use as a spy on Lamar Jackson. Um, I think it comes down to this. I think the Ravens need this game way more than Pittsburgh does. And, yeah, we, we, we still remember the Ravens getting destroyed in week three by the Chiefs, right? 34 to 20. But keep in mind, between that and their loss to, I guess it was Tennessee last year in the playoffs, they've still won 17 of their last 19 games. And just from a fatigue factor, uh, I, I you know, if it was three, I'd love it. But four, I'm still taking the Ravens to beat a very tired Pittsburgh team. I'd be inclined to take Baltimore at three. I don't like them at four. Uh, they actually are very similar. Uh, Pittsburgh this season, 30.5 points per game. Baltimore, 29.8. Uh, Pittsburgh, 19.7 points per game allowed. Baltimore, 7.3 points per game allowed. But the turnover differential, uh, Baltimore has got plus six. Uh, Pittsburgh, plus two. Uh, but uh, Pittsburgh with a plus 18 sack differential. And I think that they can keep Lamar... Uh, Jackson in check I just okay Baltimore Pittsburgh has scored 26 points or more in every game this year and Baltimore I do can't you not think that, that you're gonna see the defense that we expected to see a John Harbaugh defense that like this is uh, no slight to the Ravens defense and more of a slight no. to their offense and I think that they might win but I think it's gonna be a tight game so I, I mean, oh, the Ravens, okay, here we go. The Ravens last five games, they got one loss and they lost to Kansas city, which is a great team, but they have a loss on their record at 34 to 20 is what they, they lost. Yeah. Uh, their wins have been against crap. So they won against Houston. They beat Washington. They beat the hey, Bengals and they beat Philly. I know you can't choose your schedule, but as we will talk about later in this show with our friend, the doc strength of schedule and strength of opponent matters when you're looking at how they're performing. I'm looking at Pittsburgh and saying they've beat some better teams. Baltimore may need it, but needing it doesn't necessarily means you get it. So I'm going to take the Steelers, but I'm going to keep those four points in my back pocket. Up next, we head to Kansas City, where the Chiefs are. This is I, this blows me away. This is, looks like a college spread. 19.5-point favorites at home against the visiting New York Jets. 49. I think, only, I think there's only been four higher ever. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is amazing. 49's your over-under. Now, I'm going to stay away from this game because 19.5 points... Uh, that it's is, nine, well, it's 19 even, but whatever. Call it whatever you want. Is it 19? It's, it's 19, 19 even? It's on okay. Yeah, All right. So 19 is, and I've seen it at 19 and a half on some sports books. This is an interesting stat. 
Tyreek Hill has five receiving touchdowns and Travis Kelsey has five receiving touchdowns. They each have more receiving touchdowns than all New York Jet players combined, which is four. No, that's not surprising. Not nuts. And uh, Kansas City, five and two, five and two against the spread this year. Uh, The Jets, one and six against the spread. So uh, just they've scored fewer than 20 points in six or seven games this season. That's the most in the NFL. Uh, The Chiefs have allowed 20 or fewer points in six or seven games this season. And 31 of Adam Gase's 41 career losses as as head coach have come by more than 10 points. Not a surprise again. Tell us something we don't know, motherfucker. This is a this is a really tough game to pick though, because nineteen is ridiculous. Well, this spread last week against Denver, they would have covered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the wise guy in me says it's way too many points to give the Chiefs playing a professional football team, but in this case, they're not playing a professional football team. Therein lies the caveat, eh? Right. If I told you before the game against the Bills last week that the Jets would keep Buffalo out of the end zone, and in addition, the Bills would miss two field goals, you probably think that New York would have had a pretty good game. Well, shit, they almost failed to cover the spread and accrued exactly, what, four yards of offense in the second half. Yeah, four yards of offense in a half of football. That is, and that was with minus. That was with minus three passing yards. Um, I'm treating this game like it is a college line with a crazy spread in which the favorite mm, still likely to cover. So let's assume that the Jets score their season average of twelve point one points per game. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> and but you know what, Manny? Because KC scores an average of thirty one point one. Okay, but when they go on the road, it drops to eight points per game. Okay? Now, you don't think the Chiefs can put up 33 on these clowns? Fuck, they could probably do that by halftime. In fact, and I'm not joking here. I've actually heard that Trevor Lawrence is currently picking out his fourth-year course as a Clemson because he does he wants to avoid a professional career with an arguably professional football team in the Jets. But that's a that's that strategy is a fallacy because the Jets will suck eternally. So I'm at a precipice, Maddie. And what is that, Andy? Do I want to go where my gut takes me, or do I want to cash in my wise guy card? Do what you feel, my friend. You be you. Oh, there's no goddamn way on God's green earth would I ever fucking not take 19 points on a professional football game. I'm going. <laughs> Halloween, man. I'm going with the Jets. Yeah, it's very tough to, to look at 19 points and say, I'm not going to take that. But things have not gotten better in New York. I can't see them scoring more than 12 points. And the Kansas City Chiefs are not the Buffalo Bills. So I, I, I'm I going to void my wise guy card oh. this week. And I'm going to take Kansas City with the points. And you're probably going to clown me for it next week but uh this is another one of those games though i'm not throwing my money on this is not a that's not a spread that's very tantalizing so you you've got sam darnold seeing ghosts then do you seeing ghosts i got sam darnold running for his life and having nobody to throw to well good luck with that well the minnesota vikings been known to lose a game or two chicago's got the bears but lord who cares them fans are always feeling blue and the fans are lying 
Boys are always crying Cause some boys are always out of luck But everybody knows that the Packers suck Let's head to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field Where the Green Bay Packers are laying six and a half points To the visiting division rival Minnesota Vikings 54 and a half was the original over under that's down to 51 on uh, many sports books like mine at sports interaction um the vikings are coming off a bye but we watched green bay bounce back in a big way last week both offensively and defensively and these two teams already played each other in week one green bay won 43 to 34 so they would have covered the spread in that game and it was in minnesota also, to note, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, if you've got him on your fantasy team, he had 30.76 fantasy points in week one versus Minnesota. Um, the Vikings are allowing the seventh most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks this season. So you might want to look at starting Rodgers. Uh, he's also a purple people leader. The highest passer rating versus the Vikings at 108.4 by any player in the Super Bowl era. So he loves to play the Vikes. And the Vikings have allowed more points per game, 32, and total yards per game at 413.7 this season than any other Vikings team in history. That's pretty uh, crazy. They've been around for a while. It is. It is. Oh, one more <laughs> negative thing to say about the Vikings is... Uh, oh, it's just one? You've, you've just... Well, one. I just... No, I just read a bunch of shitty things about the Vikings. Well, I said some nice things about Aaron Rodgers. That really hurts me, but... Uh, I know. I know. I can tell. The Vikings' remaining schedule, first of all, like what they're looking at is killer. Seven of their remaining 10 games are currently against teams that are 500 or better. And Kirk Cousins has a sub-90 passer rating this season for the first time since 2014, right? Really? Minnesota's, yeah, and Minnesota's 3-3 three and three against the spread. Green Bay's 5-1. I'm surprised this passer rating is where it is. I'm just surprised it hadn't been there before. Let me, yeah, okay, fair enough. I'll give you that. I'm, I'm saying this. Uh, I hate the Packers. Everybody knows they suck. Everybody knows that the Packers suck. But... Uh, because it's under seven points here, I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers at home at Lambeau Field. Something tells me you are going to be take you're going to be screaming Vikings, aren't you? You know what I'm in the mood for? Screaming Vikings. Well, let's see. Uh, we expected uh, the Packers to have a bounce back game, and they did in spades last week against the Houston Texans. Um, as you say, both the offense, and the defense played well. Aaron Rodgers played like Hall of Famer. And they've now righted the ship, right? After that game against the the embarrassing game against Tampa Bay. Now you got the Vikings coming off a bye week in which Dalvin Cook has now had three weeks since his last game. And I'm going to go again to the weather. And you've got uh, wind speeds of at least 23 miles an hour without gusts. So this is going to come down to the running game in which Aaron Jones did not make an appearance in last game. He may or may not play in this one. If he does, who knows how uh, healthy he's going to be. But Dalvin Cook is definitely back in the lineup. You always pay a luxury tax on Green Bay with the public. And after a bounce-back win of that size, I think the Vikings are going to be underrated here. And and be, again, going down to that, that win speed has created that total to come down over three and a half points. Or actually, exactly three and a half points. You're taking the Vikings. I'm taking the Vikings off a of bye and with the points. Yeah. This this game could be played in a fucking hurricanes. The, the Minnesota Vikings aren't beating the Green Bay Packers. 
especially see what Green Bay did to him in week one. I'm taking the, the Packers. Dude, in, in, in the NFC North, you can't see the forest for the trees. That's true. I have such a hatred for both teams that it blinds me to their... <laughs> it's blinding. Oh, I can't see no more. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. Hello, Detroit. You've won my heart. On to the Motor City, where the Detroit Lions are two and a half point underdogs at home against visiting Indianapolis Colts. 50s year over under here. Colts off a bye week last week, and uh, they got a pretty darn good coach. So, usually, when you got a pretty good coach and you've come off a bye week, you're looking pretty sharp. Four of the previous six opponents the Colts have faced this season have one win or fewer, though. Um, and the Lions' three losses this season have come against teams who are currently 14-5. and five. They've lost to Chicago, Green Bay, and New Orleans. I think you just wanted to stick Chicago in there so you could say that they were a cool team, right? I did, and beating up on the Lions <laughs> is always fun when you're a fan of the NFC All North. Right, well, let's, it's a let's right that we have if two times a year. Let's take Detroit back to last Sunday. <laughs> Atlanta once again. Once again this season, crap the bed in the fourth quarter. And in a new and improved way. They actually crapped the bed this time by scoring a touchdown. And for those of you who didn't see it, with just over one minute left, Todd Gurley accidentally crossed the goal line instead of sliding short to keep the clock moving. Can I say something here? You can say whatever you want, Matty. Field goals aren't fucking automatic. And I know that that's the oh, big strategy. On, Listen, man. no. Oh, have you been watching the NFL this year? How many fucking dudes are missing extra points? They're like goddamn chip shots. Let me tell you this. He goes down there. They snap it. Something goes wrong with the hold or something goes wrong with the kick. And then it's shit anyway. I played defense. And let me tell you something. Your offense scores and the other team's left with 65 or 66 seconds and no fucking timeouts. You Put your fucking nutsack, big boy no pants on, and you you stop them. They drove the length of the field in 66 seconds to score and, a game-winning touchdown. Uh, no, now, Matt Stafford looked like a general back there when he was doing it. Dead. I'll give him that. Like He's obviously a vet. And poor Matt Ryan on the other side, who gets his team in front, and that's what happens to them. So Detroit wins. We picked them to win last week. We were talking about possibly three in a row, so this would be the second of those three. Actually, I thought I think that was three in a row, right? Was that three in a row? Yeah. Wow. Man, the, yeah. the Lions are creeping up on me. Sorry, I'm not used to using winning and Lions in the same sentence. It's really throwing oh. me for a loop. And, now, and both- do you remember when Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, came down on the field, Jerry Jones style, to watch his team actually win something? And the look on his goddamn face when Matt Stafford marched up. <laughs> yeah, even um, even through the that mask. That was the highlight you, of my week, dude. That was the highlight of my week. Yeah, even even through the mask, you could see him fuming. I mean, and the Colts, yeah. though, to say, to talk about them, the Colts' defense has allowed twenty-seven points to the Bengals and thirty-two points to the Browns this year. So it's not yeah. like they can't be thrown upon. And I'll tell you, the way Matt Stafford and that team is marching the ball. Uh, it's going to be a tough game for Indianapolis. Like, And by the way, the Lions' defense has actually been a lot better this year. They're the 14th overall ranked defense this season, which is way above where they usually are in around 28 to 32. They're, they're to actually 32. learning how to stop the run. 
Yes. And that's what Indy does well. And that is, that's exactly what Indy does well. Because Phillip Rivers can't go a game without throwing an interception. Or two. Or two. I, I'm taking the Detroit Lions here to cover the two and a half at home. What say you, Andy? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm on the same page of the playbook as you, did. Wow. Go Lions. <laughs> hey, what did I say, Matty? Don't be surprised if they end up at the top of that division at the end of the year. Okay, just put that in your fucking back pocket. Well, no, shut up about it for fuck's sake. Archives, and when I call you up on week 17, you, you know where to go. Yeah, I'm going to play it to tell you how b- 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 wrong you were. It might happen. Yeah, and monkeys might fly out of my butt. You're on to Cincinnati. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. All right, to Cincinnati, where the uh, Cincinnati Bengals are six-point underdogs at home against visiting Tennessee Titans. Uh, 54 and a half is your over-under. Before we talk about the game, poor Joe Burrow. I mean, the guy's putting up these ridiculous numbers this season, but his defense is so terrible, they can't convert any of these performances to win with the exception of that win against the Jags. Um, Cincinnati's the only team with three losses when scoring 27 or more points this year. And just to pump up Burrow a little bit more, 300 or more pass yards in five of his last six games. How about that, rookie? Man, uh, Tennessee's allowed two or more pass touchdowns in five straight games as well, so he can do it again. Uh, You think the Titans can cover six points on the road? Let me... I'll get into that in a second. You know, Maddie, you know I'm a real estate agent, right? I do. As a licensed real estate agent, I found a new way to get clients. Follow the Bengals players on Twitter to see which one lists their property for sales. It sounds, <laughs> it sounds far-fetched, but almost immediately after the game, Dunlap took to Twitter to let everyone know that he's trying to sell his house in Cincinnati, presumably in an effort to expedite a trade. He's even willing to give away all his furniture, too. Well, that's a listing I would be happy to take if I was licensed in the shitty state of Ohio, which I am not. Um, well, that's a boon for your career, though. It is. It is. You know what? Where you sell real estate, the river doesn't start on fire. That's got to hurt. No, exactly. exactly. I'm, I'm <laughs> Laurel, that way. Laurel Creek is a beautiful, it is. Uh, it, a, a beautiful conservation area. And if you need more information, go to andrewattridge.com. <laughs> oh, do you like that? Uh, just, just the plug. Just, hey, man, you gotta, you gotta pay you your gotta bills. You gotta do it. All right, I'm going again. Um, uh, back to the weather on this one. Yep, it's not going to be pretty in Cincinnati. Nope. Um, Joe Mixon, not likely to be in the lineup for the second week in a row. And I just, I love the way that the Titans can capitalize off of turnovers of which no one has more in the league than them. So yeah, bad things happening in Cincinnati's locker room. Good things happening on the Titans. So I'm going to go Titans. I, I, I know it's kind of a few points to take on the road. Still another touchdown. Take a minus five and a half. 
Okay, this is one where you and I are agree, but there's a couple points here that look good for the Bengals. First of all, they've been spread killers this year. Uh, they're five and two against the spread. Tennessee's only two and four, and five of the six wins that Tennessee has have been one possession games and against some pretty weak competition. Uh, Tennessee's wins have come against Denver, and that was when they were injury plagued horribly. Uh, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Buffalo, and Houston, right? Another one possession games. Tennis or Cincinnati's offense. I'm taking Tennessee in this game for the main reason that the Bengals have a terrible rush defense that allows an average of 133.7 yards per game. And the Tennessee Titans have Derrick Henry and they're averaging 145.2 rush per games exactly. yards per rush or yeah. yards per game this season. I mean, that's the most since 2009. I'm, like you said, with the weather, it's going to come down to defense and rushing. I've got to give the nod to the Tennessee Titans. Don't overthink it. That's That sounds so solid. A light dawns on Marblehead. One, two, three. Go Bills. Go Bills. Well, let's go to Western New York, where the Buffalo Bills are at home against the visiting New England Patriots. Buffalo, three and a half point favorites at home and uh, 41 and a half is your over under. That's down from 43. But Andy, what the fuck is going on in Buffalo? Right. They came out of the came out of the gates like a bat out of hell. And then last week, they just barely beat the Jets. And quite frankly, it wasn't even just last week. The Bills have fewer than 20 points in three straight games. And they had 25 or more points in each of the first four games. So. What Bills team are we going to see this week? Honestly, dude, I, I have no answer to that. I know the Bills kicks six field goals to beat the Jets, who did a you know heck of a job um, keeping the, the the Buffalo team out of the end zone. In fact, Buffalo attempted eight field goals but missed two. In fact, the Bills had more illegal touching infractions than Jeffrey Tubin on a Zoom call. Oh! But Jesus, did New England ever look horrible? I mean, here's the deal. Here's the deal. They can actually salvage their chances of winning the AFC East this week, but it will almost certainly require a win here. But they still have games against the one and six Texans, the two and four Chargers, the three and three Miami Dolphins, whom they've already beaten, the zero and six Jets, whom they play twice starting next week. And then another match against these Bills in the second last week of the season. And now, do you remember how high everyone was on Cam Newton after week one where he rushed for, you know, 75 yards and two TDs or the following week where he threw for 397 and rushed for another 47? The Bills is- couldn't even score a touchdown on the Jets. And yet their, their defense is a, a pale comparison to what it was last year, giving up almost 60 more yards per game on defense. But last year, they allowed 16.5 points per game. This year, 25.5 points. And if I'm, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is still a Bill freaking Belichick team here. I'm taking the Pats. All right. The Patriots have scored 12 or fewer points in three straight games. Now, they played San Fran, Denver, and KC. So those are three pretty premier defenses, I have to say. Correct. But that's the first time since weeks 8 through 10 in 1993 this has happened to New England. 
I think we're witnessing a, a changing of the guard. Cam Newton is struggling. Struggling. The Patriots wide receivers have one receiving touchdown this whole year. That's the fewest in the NFL. Julian yeah. Edelman looks like he could be Julian Lennon. <laughs> Whereas you look on the other sidelines, Stephon Diggs has six games with six or more receptions this season. New England has allowed a top 20 fantasy wide receiver in four of their last five games. And kind of just an interesting note that Rob Gronkowski. Have you seen my balls? He has as many receiving touchdowns, too, in the last two weeks as the Patriots tight ends have in two seasons since he left the team. A couple with that, New England, two and four against the spread. Uh, 52 degrees Fahrenheit rain in the forecast, so anything can happen. But I do think that we're seeing a changing of the guard of the NFC East. I think Buffalo always gets up for their games against New England. If they're going to come out with a big game, it's going to be on Sunday. I'm taking the Bills, even though they're laying three and a half points. Now we go to the Mile High City where the Denver Broncos are three-point underdogs at home against the visiting LA Chargers. 44 is your over-under for the game, and this is the first of our late afternoon games. Both these teams are killing it against the spread this year. Chargers 5-1, Broncos 4-2. The Broncos have the 31st-ranked offense this year, but their defense is ranked 4th. And that's been keeping them in the game. They've won uh, three of their last four against the Chargers. But I think that comes to a stop. What do you think, Andy? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if they were exposed last week against Kansas City, who, you know, scored a touchdown on special teams defense and a whole bunch of them on offense. Um, they actually held the Chiefs to um, their 0-8 on third downs. So that was impressive from their defense. Philip Lindsay went out with a concussion. And so that's actually a big factor in how I'm handicapping this game. I'm not sure if he's going to be back. And I, if, if he does, he's going to get a light workload. Melvin Gordon's going to come in. Um, you know, you got a low total here. Chargers. Let's, let's look at the Chargers and Justin Herbert. He's got the highest quarterback rating on third downs of anyone in the league. And now that Bosa and Ingram are healthy, they've got a great defense. And the Chargers, you know, they're from L.A., but they're still used to playing in Arrowhead. And they, they, the, the weather, I don't think, is going to affect them too much. Um, I think the Chargers can cover this one, man. I hate doing it on the road. It really pisses me off. But, you know, Justin Herbert, he played in Oregon, right? So he's not... You, he's not new to adverse weather. I, no, I like the Chargers here, and I'll lay the three points with them. Yeah, I'm willing to lay the three with the Chargers as well. There's no snow or bad weather in the forecast, so their passing offense should be just fine, which is what they're rolling with. Um, they're, and the thing about the Chargers is they're one in four in their last five games, but let's look at who they've played. Losses to Kansas City, a juggernaut, Carolina, a great defense and, and an offense that can score. Tampa Bay, which is coming on, and New Orleans, right? Um, they had a big 10-point win over the Jags last week. Uh, I'm with you. I like Justin Herbert, and I think yeah. this is more of a vote for Justin Herbert than it is 
for the Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke. Drew Locke is having an absolutely abysmal year. 55.9 completion percentage, 169.8 pass yards a game, one touchdowns to four interceptions, and a 63.3 passer rating cannot get it done in the NFL, especially no. against an offense like the Chargers, no matter how good your defense is. I'm with you. I'm going with the San Diego Super Chargers. Charge. Charge, charge, charge. Up next, my Bears are home against the New Orleans Saints. The Bears, four and a half point underdogs at Soldier Field. 44 is your over under. And now before we get into this game, you and I should talk about Matt Nagy and how he's an idiot. So why would he constantly run between the tackles when Aaron Donald is crushing his O-line? These are things that make you say... He needs to replace all of tight end Dwayne Harris's snaps with the rookie out of Notre Dame, Cole Komet, and stop with the fucking jet sweeps to Corderell Patterson that go fucking nowhere. We're not the San Francisco 49ers. We can't pull that kind of shit off. Also, I'll, I'll agree one, with two of your. I'll agree with okay, two of your three points. And one I'll more agree thing. With two of those three. One more thing, and then you can rail on because I'm, no, I'm, I'm in the mood. Rail. No, you said everything right. Okay, and I'm going to ask you why the fuck they're going at Aaron Donald. Okay, what the fuck though was Ted Ginn Jr. doing as a punt returner? He looked like he could have cared fucking less if he fielded a punt all day. I hope they replace him, strap him to a rocket, and fire him directly into the sun. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, because I don't want ass prints on my new door. It really makes me angry when the Bears have one style team, but the coach is trying to run a different style offense. Well, he's I always supposed think to that, be an offensive-minded guy, man. Well, Why are you running the ball six times in a row? Let's look at the greatest coach or coaches right now. Got guys like Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. They develop offenses. Let's say put Frank Reich in there as well when he yeah. has a health when he has a healthy team. Kyle Shanahan, they don't have a system. They develop their system around their personnel. Exactly. That is exactly. why they are great coaches because they they are excellent evaluators of talent. They see who they have. They utilize yeah. their strengths and, and they, they minimize their weaknesses. That's right. And Matt Nagy does not seem capable of doing this. And a lot of the times the Bears win despite that because they have a great defense and except for last week with freaking Ted Ginn Jr. usually good special teams god i wish Devin Hester was still playing I, honestly I, I i i can't answer your first two questions but i will disagree with the jet sweep and Corderell Patterson because as i was watching that game i was reminding myself of the 49er game that had taken place the day before. And, you know, with Debo Samuel and, and all the yardage that he got just with 
good blocking up front. Can I, can I tell you this? This is what I'm talking about. Debo Samuel has a fucking offensive line. Yeah. Corderell Patterson's sweeps throughout this year have a negative average. Really? Yes. I so see, maybe I start looking at... That you could prompt up Nick Foles with a type of offense that t- utilizes the speed that they have, but without throwing the ball. No, the Bears need to work the ball to the flats via checkdowns or little like wide receiver screens, or they have to work a good tight end game. They've got Cole Komet. He's very underutilized. I just, okay, now we're, this is the Bears playing the Saints this week as well. The Saints seem to be doing pretty well. I don't really think a lot of their defense, but their offense, they haven't had a lot of big plays this year. In fact, no. out of the winning teams out there, they have the least amount of big plays. No, and we said that we said that before. It's yep. death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, and it, because Drew Brees isn't making mistakes, he's a seventy percent completion percentage right, right. now. Right, and how does he do that? It's kind of a, a like a West Coast style offense. He doesn't go deep downfield. A lot of people say because he can't. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that, but. You know, look at last week. They had to, they had to do a comeback one against the Panthers, which they scraped by with a twenty four, or sorry, twenty seven twenty four win. It was an important divisional game, and you know what, Maddie? Next week they have an even more important divisional game Uh-oh. on prime time uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think you know where I'm going with this. It's an almost wise guys sandwich game. What are you? An idiot sandwich. And so. The- it's clear. I don't think anyone would argue me with me on this that the Bears have a better defense than New Orleans does, even though they got uh, Latimer and, J- and Jenkins back last week. Again, look at the weather: over twenty mile an hour winds, and it's not in a dome for Breeze where he's comfortable. And I think that the Bears can absolutely shut down Kamara. Right? So you're not going to have the big passing game uh, in New Orleans. They were absolutely embarrassed on primetime, and I'm talking about your Bears. Yeah, absolutely embarrassed. Like you went to bed before the third quarter even ended, right? Yeah, I, I actually had to turn it off, otherwise my TV may or may not have been pulled from the wall and right. thrown in the garbage. <gasps> so that's about as bad as you can look on primetime. I think it's a big bounce back game here for the Bears, and you're giving me. Um, over a field goal, four and a half points against a team that doesn't play well in the cold or the wind, and you've got Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas probably not likely to lace up. I'm taking the Bears on this one, dude, and it's a low total, and I love it. I'm with you, man. Now, folks should listen to Andy because I pretty much always pick the Bears, but I, too, am going with the Bears. The Bears. All right, this is your account, Andy, as uh, your San Francisco 49ers take a trip up to the Pacific Northwest to meet their division rival, Seattle Seahawks. Three points the Seattle Seahawks are laying, and uh, 54 is your over-under. Now, Seattle's defense, dude, is the kind of trash defense, exactly the kind of trash defense that Kyle Shanahan's game plan loves to crush. Tons of pre-snap movement, a stalwart O-line, 
win time of possession and keep Russell Wilson off the field. My only concern is Debo Samuel's out. What say you about your team, Pally? What do you What do you need me for? You ju- You just summarize the whole game. Debo Sam, <laughs> D- sorry, Debo Samuel is probably out. As is Jeff Wilson Jr., who scored three touchdowns last game. Um, but let's sorry. Let's go back to last week, okay? And the 49ers playing New- the New England Patriots. And guess guess who wanted to get a little publicity out of that? It was Drew Bledsoe. And he's heard a lot about Garoppolo from both the people in New England and those in San Francisco. And this is what he said. Jimmy is a very good player. He's really accurate. One of the things I've heard about Jimmy, and I heard this in New England, and I heard it again in San Francisco, he is outstanding Monday through Saturday. He's a great leader on the field, and that's not to be discounted. That's really important. Well, Drew Bledsoe, how about you go fuck yourself? Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. So, um, San Fran put on a goddamn clinic against the Patriots, right? Oh, for sure. Everyone saw it. Right? Well, you and I you and I foresaw it as we both were on the right we side did, of that but bet. I think that was just one of those dip-down games for the Patriots. I don't think they're really as bad as that looked. Oh, I do. Well, no, I don't. But anyway, um, what you saw was an effective running game using weapons from all over the field, right? You got Debo Samuel, and, you know, they're getting around the edge, and they're getting the blocks. They're getting, you know, you got Juszczyk involved, and they're just, they're involving so many different guys, and that's because of the depth of Kyle Shanahan's playbook. And if you look how shitty the Seattle defense is this year, you're looking at this spread going, like, shit, it was, uh, before the game was played, it was six and a half in favor of the Seahawks, right? But they lost Arizona in overtime, and which means they played almost five periods of football uh, on a late game. So there's that. No, I, I like the 49ers here. Um, division game, and you're giving me three points with San Fran that was in the Super Bowl last year, and they need this to keep pace? Nah, um, they're going to be well prepared. Trust me, that's going to be uh, it's going to be a good game, and I think San Fran are going to come out ooh probably as victorious team if you want to put mm, some money on the money line. Well, Andy, I'm going to echo that sentiment because the San Francisco 49ers are my money line, Matty pick of the week. Oh, there you go, Matty. There you go. I saw the light last week, bud. Did you? You saw the light? I saw the breadth of Shanahan's knowledge and bowed at the altar of Kyle Shanahan. Let's sacrifice him to our gods! Okay, the Sunday Nighter in which uh, the Dallas Cowboys head into Philadelphia for an NFC East matchup. Uh, Four points is what Philadelphia is favored by. Now, Andy, how in the name of the sweet baby Lord Jesus was this game not flexed to the late afternoon spot? These are things that make you say... I would much rather watch your Niners play the Seahawks in prime time than watch these two dumpster fires fight over who's the less shitty team. 
I, I think this should be flexed out of the schedule altogether. Flex it to the moon. Flex it to last week. Yep. Flex it with a flux capacitor. Hey, Matty. I, um, actually, when I was looking um, at the stats for this game, I came up with a great costume idea for Halloween. I'm going to dress up like the NFC East. How's that? So I'm going to get my nine-year-old daughter to put on her, you know, Joe Montana jersey. I'm going to get one of her friends to put on her Jerry Rice jersey. And I'm going to, I'm going to throw on something that's similar to a cowboy or an eagle. And I'm going to let them throw touchdown passes over top of me all down the road as they're trick-or-treating. How do you like that? Well, isn't that special? Oh, yeah. I guess we should talk about who's going to win this game, eh? <laughs> Do you care who wins this game? Not I really. Don't. Not uh, really. All I'm going to say. Okay. okay how so, about this? Dalton is still in concussion protocol. Yeah. And how bad was that hit by Joe Bostic? Okay, right? that was. I'm a defensive player, and I've complained over the years about how they've taken the defense out of the game. But that that hit to me was actually criminal assault. That he he had easily given himself up, and player launches himself. Uh, Bostic launches himself. At Dalton's head, that was that was abysmal. That's the, and the fact that Bostic isn't getting suspended, uh, just the ejection I from know, the last game makes me wonder why. Like Roger Goodell will spend fucking eight weeks trying to figure out what to do with deflated balls, but he doesn't take any time to consider that he could have ended not just Dalton's career, but yeah. ended Dalton's ability to think straight. Like he could have ended up being a, a you know, having pugilistic dementia with that kind of head trauma, especially uh, at his age. But to add insult to injury, you sent me a tweet this week about a conference call with the defense coordinator, Mike Noel, for the <laughs> yeah. who had to be put on hold because he had Tabasco sauce on his finger and it got in his eye. Yeah, nothing's and going right in Little D. The best metaphor for everything that's happening with the Cowboys. This season, who, by the way, are 0-7 against the spread. Like, and allowing 34.7 points per game. And and now, now you get a quarterback named Ben DiNucci. Now, they're playing in Philadelphia. Does that not sound like a maitre d' at an Italian restaurant in Philadelphia? Hi, I'm uh, Ben DiNucci. Uh, what, uh, what do you want to, uh, like a corner table or what? Hey, Krusty, hey, you come with me. Come with Luigi. You don't want to sit with the rest of this scum. I only consider you scum compared to Krusty. Oh, right. Yeah, you see how you scum. I... I don't know if there's if there's a spread high enough for me to take Dallas. I I agree. Their defense is garbage. I know. I, know, I my, have. No, I'm taking Philly. I just it, it, it pains me to do that in a divisional game, especially on prime time, which I hope this game gets flexed out. But for now, we're pre pretending it's prime time. I'm going to take the Eagles in the seven and a half points, and I don't want to talk about it anymore, Matty. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I got to say is Mike McCarthy. Uh, he thanks God every night for Adam Gase. Otherwise, he'd be worst head coach in the NFL. The Cowboys are absolute garbage. It's garbage. I'm taking the Eagles to cover. Let's fucking go. Oh, 
Well, now we go to Monday Night Football and another game that really doesn't need to be there. It's the New York Giants at home, and they're 10.5-point underdogs at MetLife Stadium because Tampa Bay is coming to town. Uh, 46-year over-under. Now, this is another not-so-hot primetime game, but Tampa Bay looks better every week on both sides of the ball, and a big part of that on offense is Gronk has made his presence felt over the last two games. 16 targets, 10 receptions, 140 yards, and two touchdowns. Is, is Gronk back? I don't know if he's back. He looks um, good. That he touchdown looked, catch he, he made on the right. corner route at the end zone was pretty damn nice. Um, I don't mean he's going to put up prime Gronk numbers, but he definitely doesn't look like he's had a couple years off anymore over the last couple games anyway. Look, I, I, I called your Bears-New Orleans game a sandwich game because the Saints had to play Tampa Bay next week. Well, Tampa Bay has to play the Saints next week. You know, the Giants are at home. Ten and a half. Um, Antonio Brown is now a buck, by the way, if you haven't heard the news, but he won't be suiting up this Sunday as he's still on the commissioner's exemption list for suspensions. Call me Mr. Bitcoin. So, note to Tampa Bay Buccaneers, be careful what you wish for. Um, You know, I think the Giants front seven, um, if anything that they've done positively this year, it's showing that they can get pressure on the quarterback. And if you can get pressure on Tom Brady, he's not going to be that effective. And and ten and a half at home, under the lights, I Godwin is out, right? And 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 he had developed so much chemistry with Tom Brady. And I'm not sure if that, that same chemistry is there with Mike Evans. And I just I, I think that the Giants you know, it's 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 too big a spread to ignore at home. Um, you know, especially with Tampa Bay looking ahead to a, a divisional game, a big divisional game the following week. I, I'm going to take the points at home. Funny things happen on Monday night, Matty. Funny things happen on Monday night. They sure do. The Giants are averaging 11.8 points per game versus non-divisional non-divisional opponents this season. Tampa Bay's defense is playing out of their heads this season. I didn't expect this from them. That's actually what's impressing me more than their offense, because especially their secondary is so young. But they're playing great. And Daniel Jones is not the guy you want to trust with the football. 34 giveaways since being drafted in 2019. That's the second most in the NFL in that span. I just can't in any good conscience... If this spread was maybe 13 and a half, 14, I'd start looking at the Giants, but I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run away with this one. Um, yeah, I guess you've got the prerogative, don't you? Please hang up and try again. All right, this is a little segment we like to call our Total Tease. It's where we each give you a total we like for the weekend and a teaser. So, Andy, you're first. What do you think? All right, a little unconventional for the total because both Cleveland and the Raiders are scoring juggernauts, but because of the weather, and I talked about it before, uh, this line's already dropped three, three and a half points 
but I still think 51 is still a little bit high. I like the Cleveland Raiders game to go under 51 with 85% chance of precipitation and, and wind gusts of about 25 miles an hour. My teaser, fairly simple. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions at home from two and a half through the three, through the six, and the seven, and I'm going to get them at eight and a half. And New England, I love teasing them up on a very low total game from three and a half to nine and a half. Summarize, I'm taking the Cleveland Raiders under 51, and I'm teasing the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots. So for my total, I want to go to the Vikings at Packers. The over-under is at 51, and I'm going to take the over by a mile. Three of Green Bay's last five games have been over 51, and the two others narrowly missed. And four of the Vikings' last five games went over this total as well. Uh, I, I just it, Also, when they played each other earlier this year, the game went over 51 points. So I'm going to take the Vikings and Packers to go over 51. My teaser, I'm going to stay with Minnesota Green Bay. I'm going to take the Packers from 6.5 down to half a point, which is basically a pick They just got to win the game outright. And at home at Lambeau Field, that is a pretty damn good bet. Uh, for my next game in the teaser, I'm going San Fran at Seattle. Uh, I am taking the San Francisco 49ers from plus three up to plus nine. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got a new segment this week, and I'm very excited to debut it for you. It's called The Weekly Hot Pick with our good buddy, The Doc. And, uh, well, Andy, since uh, you and Doc are friendly, how about you introduce our man? Thanks, Maddie. Yeah, I'd like to introduce my friend, The Doc whom I've known for a while, uh, hails from Western New York and has suffered as a Bills fan since their last championship in the AFL over 55 years ago. Hey, man, those 90s teams were fun to watch, though. They were. They were. And the Doc is one of the smartest math minds that I've ever met. But not only that, he's played the game of football, he understands it, and he also understands betting and betting systems. And he's kind of brought all three things together uh, to create, well, let's call it an AI model. And I'm going to let him elaborate more on what he created, how he created it, what its predictions do, and what metrics they're based upon. But anyway, welcome to the show, Doc. Hey, thank you very much for having me. This is a lot of fun. I've been listening to you for the past, uh, well, two and a half years and enjoying it a lot, but I never thought I could be... uh, you know, uh, part of it. So, hey, well, welcome, welcome here, brother. Welcome, Thanks, man. man. Thanks, Maddie. Um, do you want to ask questions? Do you want me to just start talking? Well, just um, talk about you. This the program that you've created. You have nicknamed Spiffy. Spiffy, right? And, and why don't you just tell us um, how you put that together? Like uh, an auto mechanic would talk about putting a car together. Um, okay. There's two main ideas. One is that despite all the randomness that happens and all the fluctuation from week to week, teams that are good at scoring points are going to keep being good at scoring points. Teams that are good at preventing points from being scored against them are going to keep being good at that. And things will change gradually, but in general, as you see every week, the strong defenses this week are going to be strong next week. Because that's one idea. And the second one is that the, your performance shouldn't just be based on, or the, the evaluation of your performance shouldn't just be based on what you put on the board, but who you do it against. So, 
So you have a strength of competition built in. That's right. Uh, The idea is, you know, scoring 30 points against the Jets is one thing, but doing it against Baltimore would be something else. Fair enough. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, we don't just take your scores at, at face value, but compare it to, you know, who are you playing against? So, and, and you also you also weight results based on how recent they were, based but even on, dating back to other seasons, right? That's right. Based on recency. I, I don't like using sort of year-to-date stats because early in the season, it's a very small sample size and highly skewed by who you played against. And later in the season, the early season games don't really matter as much as the things you've been doing lately. So Spiffy's idea is a weighted timeline where the more recent games are more important than the earlier ones. And this, he just keeps being updated week after week, how the team does that affects their ranking towards next week and that. And you, how you, Spiffy thinks about them. Yeah, go ahead. And, and no, and <clears throat> we've talked about on the show. There's a difference between picking a game and making a bet on a game, and Spiffy makes that difference as well. And you isolate three or four or possibly five games each week on right. ones that you would actually lay money upon, and right. you weight them also, and you come up with your gold pick of the week. I love gold. That's so. Right. What we would like to find out is um, what those picks are for this week. Okay. Spiffy makes a projection of what he thinks could be the final score of the game. Mm -hmm. And then compares that with the spread that we're getting from Las Vegas. And if they're very similar, Spiffy runs away. This is too sharp. I'm not interested. Right. As they get uh, the difference gets greater, Spiffy gets more and more interested and the the greatest difference of the week this week for Spiffy is Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Uh, Spiffy has a lot of respect for Pittsburgh. They've looked really good this week and much better than last year, and that counts a lot. But on the other hand, uh, Spiffy thinks Baltimore is by far the best team in the league, and they've also had a week off. Right, so Spiffy does take in consideration the bye week and the rest. Yeah, Spiffy... Spiffy weighs a number of stress factors. Uh, having a bye week is like negative stress. And so um, Spiff, Spiff thinks that Baltimore is probably going to win this game by about 12. He's happy to give away three and a half mm-hmm. and, and call the gold pick of the week Ravens. Wow. <laughs> Ravens wow. minus three and a half. I love gold. And in Spiffy's opinion... Has Spiffy... Hey, hang on. Has Spiffy seen Lamar Jackson's quarterback numbers this year? (laughs) Well, this is the thing. Um, Spiffy's been smoking reefer. I'm so high right now. Maddie, you know, Spiffy only knows the scores that go on the board. Fair enough. He doesn't know anything about players or coaches or schemes or matchups. There's a lot of things you could think about. So you you don't factor in a Harbaugh quotient? No. It's How just, khaki the pants are? No. It, it, oh. <laughs> no, that's gonna, that's not know, God. That's oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. If you're seeing khaki on a Harbaugh, that's a minus. Then you're, oh, you're minus. in the sub-digits in the Y-axis. If you right. don't see khaki, <laughs> you're in the positive part of the Y-axis. And then there's yeah. that dirty part in the middle when one of them's wearing khakis or pants that are too light or too dark and you're not sure. 
See, See these is, are the things Spiffy should be knowing. This is way beyond Spiffy's pay grade, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my wife, she's got a similar thing going. She, she looks at Seattle, especially when they wear that sort of yellowish, light green thing. She says, that is too ugly. You need to handicap them about that. They're never going to win anything till they get rid of that color. <laughs> so, yes. You know, there's a fashion set. Spiffy doesn't know anything about this. He just knows scores, schedules, and point spreads. So, and right, Pittsburgh, the, Baltimore, the, the was factors you, already factor into the results of the previous games. You would think that so. Have been, you would think so, no. right? I mean, the Chiefs are going to be good until they trade Andy Reid, right? <laughs> 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 or he eats one yeah. too many cheeseburgers. Diabetes. Yeah. Well, there's that too, Maddie, you know. So you were you were saying that Go the ahead. biggest yeah. disparity that Spiffy sees this week is is Pittsburgh and Baltimore, and that's your yeah. gold pick of the week. What do you look? Does Spiffy see any other opportunities out there? Spiffy likes three other games this week. I'm not sure about this. I, you know, to me, Spiffy's just another input. I wouldn't say let Spiffy manage your bankroll or anything, but Spiffy thinks that the Vikings are going to win in Lambeau. Outright. outright he's happy to take six and a half but he thinks that they're a better team than Green Bay right now i don't get that totally i do get that um, minnesota's lost twice by a point against monsters and playing that close a game against a team like tennessee or seattle um that's an upgrade as far as spiffy concerned he's not expecting you to do that well so he's got slightly more respect for minnesota than i think they deserve right now plus they've had a buy and plus they're getting six and a half points and they need this game really badly spiffy doesn't know that part but he knows about the rest and he, he likes minnesota here he also likes also likes new england plus three and a half at buffalo personally i wouldn't bet new england right now you know for a penny of your money but spiffy likes them thinks they're going to win in Buffalo. So, yeah. Well, I'm up right now. I'm opposite of Spiffy on like every pick. So me and well, Spiffy I, are going to have a showdown this week. It's Maddie well, that B. Spiffy. Means, that means you and I are going to have a showdown, Maddie, because I am actually liking everything that Spiffy said. Yeah, yeah I, I know that because you're more of a numbers geek than I, and I get it. You, that's why you guys probably win more, but I win big, fuckers. <laughs> right on. So what this is like? like three really badly losing teams that Spiffy's backing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, in general, over the course of the last couple of years when I've been playing with it, it's been smarter than I am. So I just let it do what it does. And Well, um, <laughs> your, one of your gold picks two weeks ago was Maddie's Bears over the Carolina Panthers. And Spiffy yeah. actually picked exactly the final score of 23 to 16. That was fun. That's and why the, Spiffy and I could be friends. And then the Bears were getting points too, so that was the gold pick. Because yeah, figure you know they win by seven plus they're getting a spread. Who could pass that up, right? So, so once again, for our listeners, it's basically Spiffy finds the biggest points of disparity in spreads that are laid by by Vegas. That's yeah, basically between, the big deal. Between what he expects will happen and what Vegas is uh, handicapping, you know, whatever's a big disparity, that that's where his action wants to go. Well, Doc, I really appreciate you coming on. I hope we can do it in the future, hopefully weekly. Um, it was very interesting chat and uh, a totally great meeting you, man. Well, thanks very much. It's been fun, and uh, we'll talk later for sure. Good luck on your picks, guys. 
All Cheers. right. Thanks, Doc. Okay. We'll thanks, soon, man. Okay. Take care. A quick program note for those who listen weekly. Uh, I will be going on vacation for a couple weeks. So the next two weeks, there will not be an Almost Wise Guys show, but we will be back in week 10 uh, to take you right through to the Super Bowl for the football action. So thank you for listening to week eight of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. Then you won't miss a show. You can hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week eight games across the NFL. From the Costa Nostra studios, I also want to give some love to our man, the Doc, who showed up, gave us his gold and hot picks of the week, and we hope to speak with him with weeks further. For Andy the Prognosticator, Adridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out, pick yourself a winner. If you liked our podcast, please share it with a friend. If you hated it, please share it with two enemies. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bat channel. Sayonara. For my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise He did the mash He did the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash He did the mash It caught on in a flash He did the mash He did the monster mash From my laboratory in the castle east To the master bedroom where the vampires peace all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on in a flash. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The zombies were having fun. The party had just begun. The guests included and his son The scene was rocking over digging the sounds Igor on chains back by his baying hounds The coffin bangers were about to arrive But their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five They played the mash They played the monster mash The monster mash It was a graveyard smash They played the mash It got on in a flash They played the mash they played the monster mash Out from his coffin wax voice did ring Seemed he was troubled by just one thing Opened the lid and shook his fist and said Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the mash It's now the monster mash The monster mash And it's a graveyard smash It's now the mash It's caught on in a flash It's now the mash it's now the Monster Mash Now everything's cool, Drax a part of the band And my Monster Mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to When you get to my door, tell them what it said Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash The Monster Mash And do my graveyard smash Then you can mash You'll catch on in a flash Then you can mash Then you can Monster Mash Monster Mash! Monster Mash! Monster Mash!